Welcome to my blog. Thank you for joining. Hi. I would like our viewers to get to know you, so maybe you could talk a little bit about yourself. Yes, happy to. So uh, my name is Margot. I'm 32 years old. I am married, have no kids yet. <laughs> um, I am the youngest of four siblings. So I grew up with two brothers and one sister. And with one of my brothers, I started a business two years ago, a software company called CloudAmation. We um, develop and uh, host a cloud platform for software automation and integration. Um, we're almost here two years old. So we started it in May, 2019. Um, yeah, and I'm CEO and co-founder and co-owner. And it's yeah, amazing and quite a, quite a indirect journey got me to this place, yeah. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about your background, your journey that led you to having your own company at the age of 32. The journey is a long one. Uh, clearly, you say I'm young, but I don't feel very young at 32. Um, I've always um, been interested in technical topics from quite an early age. So I've, I've been, I always was good at maths in school and at science subjects. Um, and I was interested also in, in maths and science um, quite early on. In um, secondary school, so from 10 to 14, I chose also the science path of school. And then at 14 in Austria, um, there is a, a decision that you have to make as a, as a kid uh, where to want to continue, where to continue your education. So there is a possibility to already um, focus on a specific direction, like for example, um, at technology high school or, or um, economics high school or things like that. Um, or that you continue on with general education. Um, my brothers and my siblings, so they went to different schools, so I had a bit of an idea of what was out there. And I wanted to follow my brother into a technical, in, into an engineering high school. Um, but my parents said that they don't think it's very suitable for me because I'm so smart. So they said that they, they kind of packaged it as a compliment, like, you're so smart, you're interested in so many things, you're so talented, you should continue and with the general education, then you can go to university. And then you can choose any subject you like, but if you have a good foundation in general education, which also includes like higher maths and more languages and things like that, then I would still have more choice later on. So they convinced me not to go to, into, to an engineering high school. So instead I continued with general education and graduated in a general a gymnasium. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had to choose what to study um, in order I still had my passion for natural sciences in particular. So then I thought I saw myself as a researcher somehow, as a, as a scientist, like in a hard science with a lab coat and things like that. Um, so what I did, I started studying uh, microbiology. Um, it has a lot to do with chemistry, a lot to do with um, genetics also, with genetic uh, engineering and these kind of topics. And I found that very fascinating, but I ver knew very, very little about it beforehand. Again, in general education school, you don't generally learn a lot about what an applied job in chemistry, for example, might look like. So I had very little idea and I very quickly realized it's not for me. So I had my lab coat and I was in a lab and I was you know, doing stuff with chemicals and I realized I don't actually like doing that. <laughs> so after a year, I decided to switch to a different um, um, subject. And I was a bit lost because I had seen myself as that researcher and I'd realized that's not what I want to do. And I only realized at such a late age, I mean, 
19. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that this was not for me because I hadn't tried anything, anything real before, because also I was always trying to keep my options open, doing different things. I mean, I studied Spanish and Russian and Italian, and I don't know how many languages in school. I didn't really like languages, but I felt like I want to keep my options open. Maybe I like it, you know? Um, so at 19, I, I thought, so, okay, what do I actually want to do? Then I found this um, program in robotics. So this is um, a subject, a study subject um, at the FH, so a different type of university in Austria where you actually build in this industrial robots. So like these huge arms that build cars and things like that. And I went there, I looked at it and I was absolutely, I was in love. I was fascinated. I thought like, that's so amazing. I want to do that. Um, but then they told me um, you need to do an entry exam, especially when, when you come from general education and you did not go to an engineering school as most people there had already done. Um, you need to do this entry test and it, it tests engineering skills, it tests math skills, it tests general science skills, and it's quite hard. So a lot of people actually don't pass. And that scared me. So I was thinking like, mm, you know, mm, I don't know. I, I don't think I can do that. And I took it out. I decided not even to try. I made the decision that I still want to do that. I know that I had found something that fascinates me and that maybe I can do that after, you know, a different degree first. <laughs> I don't know what, what was going on in my head. Also telling people in my surroundings about my fascination with, with robotics, the general response was like, what, why? Like, why do you want to work in a factory and things like that? <laughs> you have just touched on a couple of really interesting points. Firstly, um, having a lot of talents and being quite intelligent doesn't make it easier to find your vocation because you have so many choices. And the second point is the issue of self-rejection. That's actually something I come across a lot when I talk about to people, that people tend to self-reject themselves when they look at an opportunity. But please do continue. You're very right, you're very right. And I was also looking back now I'm not sure um, what would have what I would have needed to make a different decision. Maybe someone just telling me, "Go for it, try it." Nobody did, you know. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Everybody was the, the, the those few people that I actually talked about it. Um, they were not very enthusiastic about my choice, mm -hmm. and I also didn't ask for support. In any case, so what I did, I, I studied psychology. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I don't really know how, how I got to that decision because in school I actually didn't take psychology because I thought it didn't interest me. But then I, I was interested in, not in the clinical side of things, that, that's, that was never my focus, but how attention works, how memory works, how thinking works basically, how language works. Um, which is interesting because psychology also has an entry exam. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, I wasn't scared of that one. It was general knowledge. It was, um, you, you got a book, you had to study it. And then the exam was about the book and, and I knew how to study. So it, that scared me a lot less than, than general, you know, science and maths abilities, which is also weird because, you know, I am smart. I took intelligence tests and things like that. And I was always, I was always good. I'm sure I would have passed if I had tried, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I studied psychology. I also studied journalism as a like side subject. Um, and then I continued to, to look around. I also started, I, I started studying biology, for example, on the side, and then I stopped again. And then I started electrical engineering on the side, like as my third degree subject. Um, 
And um, when I finished psychology, I finished my journalism degree first, and I finished my, my, my psychology degree. And then I quit also electrical engineering and everything else because I didn't want to continue um, to study for, I don't know, X many more years to actually get a degree in electric, electrical engineering, even though it actually fascinated me a lot. Mm -hmm. And the thing is also, I didn't do it full time because of course I was doing other things as well. And the subjects I took, maths, for example, I took like hard maths from the first uh, semester on and, and I really liked it. I really liked it. And it was also the case in psychology that in Vienna, the psychology degree is actually very focused on, on methodology and on um, statistics. So um, I also went into that direction. I also worked as a, a research assistant at university. And I was doing, I was the one doing all the math stuff, you know, doing the, the, also the programming in R, doing the uh, data analysis and um, actually making the plots for the studies and things like that, because I liked it and I was good at it. And everybody else didn't want to do it because, you know, they were psychologists. <laughs> they didn't want to touch a computer if they can avoid it. And if they had to touch a computer, then they didn't want to do maths on it. Mm -hmm. less, less of all, least of all coding, you know, but I did and I wanted to and, and it was great. And it was also lucky for me that I did or that I had that opportunity because it paved my way into my um, next step um, after university where I became a data scientist. Mm -hmm. um, so that was also surprising to me. Yeah, it sounds surprising because what was the transition from being a psychologist to becoming a data scientist? Um, a bit of disorientation again. So after university, again, I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to be a psychologist. I didn't want to work with um, uh, sick people, basically. <laughs> that was never my intention. And I also like left the subjects about clinical psychology as much to the side as I could. And also to actually be able to work uh, as a clinical psychologist or therapist, you would have to do another ye many years of, of education. And I was never interested in that. I always knew I, I don't want to do that. Um, so what I did is I looked through lots and lots and lots and lots of job ads and just um, realized that it's always the same things that interest me, where I think like, yes, I want to do that. It was always things with analytics, with data, with research, also market research, for example. I applied for a lot of market research positions because those are ones where psychologists often actually are considered <laughs> um, and that have to do with analytics and, and um, statistics mm -hmm. and I was I applied a lot all over the world actually I wanted to um, work abroad um, preferably in, in an English-speaking country but I really applied from from I don't know I even applied in, in Poland and in Germany and in Singapore and in I wanted to go to New Zealand I didn't get a visa <laughs> in in the UK a lot because it's easy um, was easy back then it was still in the European Union so you didn't need any kind of um, visa or anything also in the US and I ended up with a job as a data scientist in the UK without any qualification other than you know general intelligence and a degree in psychology <laughs> lucky lucky break I also applied a lot so I did I think I wrote almost a hundred applications and I had very few <laughs> interviews actually because I applied for a lot of positions that were well, whether we're looking for people with an engineering background and with a science background or with a maths degree or something like that, and I didn't have that. So for those interviews that I had also, um, this was the only position that was offered to me. You say the only position, but then this was a position in data science and also in the UK. So that's actually quite amazing, isn't it? 
I was quite happy about it too. Yeah, the pay was really bad, to be honest. Uh, and it was in, in uh, the south of England, in, in Portsmouth, so uh, close to uh, Southampton. And um, I've, I'd never even been there. It's, it's fairly, like from my perspective, it was fairly remote. Um, no airport, you had to go to London and then take the train. Um, but it was great, it was amazing. It, it was my stepping stone. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful for my manager back then who, who gave me the job, who believed that I could be an asset to his team, even though I didn't have a relevant degree. Though I also have to say back then that was 2014. Um, there were no data science degrees back then. So this was just um, starting that some universities were offering master's degree in data science. So I didn't have direct competition from people with a more relevant degree. I worked with um, three physicists actually okay so you had a job in the middle of nowhere basically <laughs> as a data science which we are not trained for so what happened next because now you are obviously in vienna as the head of your own company <laughs> yeah there were a few steps in between yes um so the data science job i learned a lot it was at a startup also a tech startup um so they had um actually physical machinery with which they measured stuff and then I had to analyze the data. It was quite quite um, interesting also because they were making everything up as they were going along as it is the case in a young company or a startup. Mm -hmm. So I really had the opportunity to learn a lot. Uh, so it was a, quite a crazy ride. It was also quite stressful because um, I was there for a year and a half and in the end from especially the last six months things were not going that well. Uh, so as a an environment to learn and to um, earn first credentials. It was great, but long term, I wouldn't have been able to actually do that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is also the reason why I left. Did you already have another job on the horizon or why did you decide to leave at this point exactly? I left because I wanted to leave. Um, okay. So <laughs> I, um, I did line up a job, of course, so I started interviewing months before I uh, actually left, but I made a decision that I would want to leave. Then I started interviewing and uh, I quit once I had an offer. And I went back to Vienna, which also interestingly, um, this was in 2015 now. And I, yes, early 2014, I started there and then late 2015, I came back to Vienna. Uh, I, start, I look, looked for jobs um, in data science. Do you know how many I found? There were two two job postings oh. that had the word data science in them in Vienna. And I looked for several months, you know. It's amazing because now I feel they're everywhere, these jobs. So the two jobs with data science in them, I applied for both of them. Um, neither of them was really for a data science position. Um, both of them were from uh, companies that uh, had already noticed that hype going on in the um, Anglo-Saxon sphere, basically, and, and decided to put data science there. So I ended up being a consultant for data science. Um, that was the job title. Uh, I mean, in the end, I was a software consultant. So it was for a software company, which also looking back was a good step for me, a very good one, because it got me um, deeper into the software side of things, which I hadn't known before. So even though I wasn't in a development team, I was in the consulting team in a software company where I worked a lot and very closely with developers, also implementing fairly technical projects with um, developers. 
um, and I got to know the whole software development lifecycle and what agile is and what a sprint is and what a story point means and stuff like that. So uh, again, that was a really good experience. And I also got to see it um, more from the customer side of the point of view. So previously as a data scientist in an analytics company, I was uh, an internal function working on the core product, which was great for learning. Mm -hmm. But now I wasn't working on the core product, but working with customers who actually wanted to do something with the software product of the company. Um, so I got a completely different perspective, which was really good, but not what I wanted to do. <laughs> so uh, after a while, also um, realizing that it was a small company with very little opportunity to actually advance my career. And also after a few experiences in that company where I said I want to develop more into a certain direction and in a more technical direction also, um, which was denied to me, uh, they, they said no. And then they hired a data scientist and then I was like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to do this. You know, I'm a data scientist. Why did you hire this person? He was a man, of course. Of course. <laughs> and was, he was good at it. So, so um, he, he's a good data scientist. I also like him as a colleague. But um, when he started, I was very annoyed that he got that and I didn't. Yes, of course. Um, so I left. Actually, I, I was recruited for the job that I left for in the end. I'm really, I'm really happy that, that I took that opportunity, which was for a large American software company. So again, a fairly different beast, <laughs> an international company with an Austrian subsidiary that was fairly small. Um, you want to talk about what company that was? Teradata. Teradata, okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, they make uh, uh, data warehouses and databases, mm -hmm. high-end analytics focused uh, data warehouses. Okay. And they were uh, really building up their data science capabilities um, because they, they were moving into the area that they also provide data science services for customers. Um, so then I had the opportunity to work again in data science, hardcore data science and in projects all over the world. So I was in also, for example, in Sweden and in Germany and in different places, um, actually working hands-on in data science projects, usually within or, or in close cooperation with IT departments of our customers. Um, so I got to see a lot of different uh, IT departments and how companies do IT and um, where the problems are. And also for us, we were very good at, at the data science stuff. So at analyzing data, building amazing models, making nice visualizations and the customer then said, yeah, I love it. Let's use it starting tomorrow. And then we said, ah, you know, before you can actually use this prototype that we built, there is this thing called putting it into production where you actually need to automate the entire process. You need to make sure that data is delivered and transformed and prepared from different sources and different network segments and different formats, blah, blah, blah. Then you need to make sure that there is an infrastructure where that model can actually run because I'm not leaving you my laptop, you know? You need a server for that. <laughs> and then you actually need to make sure that the results are um, checked, that there's monitoring, that there's retraining, that you need to deliver it to consuming systems that then do something with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was where usually things got really hard um, to, to do this end-to-end -end automation of the entire process. Mm -hmm. uh, so when uh, one day my brother came to me and said, um, Margo, I built this prototype. It's an automation software. Um, it does, you know, end-to-end -end automation across networks and it can really, it, it, it will be able to do really cool things. Uh, and he showed me this really shitty little prototype. Uh, I was like, <laughs> yes, let's do it. I could have used that in so many projects already. And I've seen so many um, situations where this could really have helped also IT 
well, IT departments of larger companies internally. And we decided to actually continue working on this. Then we started working on that like on evenings, weekends, things like that. And uh, eventually after a few months, I reduced hours. So four to, uh, I reduced to four days a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, next to that, we continued to build out uh, cloud automation. Okay. And that's where it started. I have the feeling that your entire history led to this point. You had all these opportunities to actually learn all the things that you needed to now do what you do. Of course, it's also a great thing that this is exactly what you want to do. So there's this combination of fate and also talent and drive that you have that has taken you to this exact point in time. So this is such an amazing story. Um, You now have this company together with your brother, I understand. How big is the company at the moment? We are right now nine people, which is blowing my mind uh, because a year ago we were two. Um, So Mm -hmm. we founded the company in May 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were not really ready, I have to admit. So um, (laughs) the product was was there, it could do something, it could provide value, we were using it, we are still using it excessively internally, we automate everything. Um, But um, we, yeah, it was very early days. Um, and we applied for funding and in January 2020, we got a funding from the Austrian Research Promotion Agency, FFG, uh, which allowed us to hire first a first team of, uh, so we hired three additional people in early 2019, uh, 2020, last year. And uh, from there, it kind of grew. So in, in March, three people started in September, another two, now in January, another two. And now we're nine and it feels completely normal, completely natural. It, it doesn't feel like we almost like from two to Actually. nine, that's almost <laughs> times yeah. five, you know, yeah. it doesn't feel like such crazy growth uh, and it works quite well so far. So um, the team is, is, is well settled and very productive. Uh, but looking back again, same as with the data science story, I don't know stories develop quite naturally while you're in them but when you look back you only then realize how crazy some of it really is so maybe it's a good thing that while you're experiencing it you're not constantly aware of what an insane journey it is you're on at the moment right so these people you hired um are they mostly developers are there also other roles that you have filled um are you still looking for people we have currently six developers, mm-hmm. um, one marketing person, one salesperson, and myself. Uh, and my, my co-founder and brother, I count him as one of the developers, so his lead developer is CTO. Mm-hmm. Um, of the six developers, one is also a trainee, so and Lehrling in mm-hmm. Applikationsentwicklung and Coding. It's, uh, uh, since last year, there is a traineeship in Austria where you can actually learn it on the job, which I find quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, only the trainee, trainee, my brother and myself, we work full-time. Mm-hmm. All the others work different shades of part-time. Um, so it's very important to us also to, to enable that and to make that possible. And we firmly believe that full-time or more than full-time work is not uh, what life is about, basically. So I love my job and, and I like doing it. And, and so does my team. But I still think it's very, very important to have other things in your life and to also not make work the sole focus of everything, basically. So between 10 and 30 hours is the spectrum, basically. So you give your employees a lot of flexibility. So I assume there is also home office and all the other nice things we're accustomed to. We, we hired our first people on 1st of March, 2020. 
So I'm, I'm not sure the first lockdown was announced like on the 10th or 11th of March. So uh, there wasn't really um, any thought about getting an office back then. Um, and now we also made the decision that we want to remain remote only. So mm -hmm. we um, all work from home all the time. Mm -hmm. We make sure that, that everybody has a, a, a space where they can work. So an office that actually everybody has what they need to work. Um, and we also offer if it's needed to have to um, rent shared um, office space. So to go to a co-working space or something like that, if, if the kids are home or if there is work being done in the flat or something like that. We also have uh, flexible working hours with no can Arbeitszeit, co-working time. So you can basically choose when you want to work and where you want to work. Um, in summer, also one of the developers, for example, he, he was in Croatia for uh, three weeks. I really love this emphasis on work-life balance because I feel it's really uh, important to understand that life is not only about work. I mean, work is a big part. We spend a lot of our time working and it's great if you love your job. I mean, I think it's the best thing that can happen to you. But it's also important that it's, um, how can I say, a good integration between all these different the aspects of your life. So I definitely love the, the approach you're taking. That sounds really amazing. Um, we have talked quite a while and our time is coming to an end. And I love your story. I must say that it's just such a great story. And I wish everybody had the opportunity to just test around a little bit and find out what they actually want to do and, and go on this amazing journey. Um, before I end the interview with you, I would ask you to maybe share some insight into what you think um, or what you would like to advise a young woman or young people who start out on their professional journey what would you tell them it's a very good question um i, I want to say two things so the first one i think already is, is quite clear from my story to to not not give up you know most life journeys are not the most direct and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. That's even good because it enriches your own experience and your background. Um, but uh, you don't have to stick with a decision just because you made it once. You know, if, if you took a job, doesn't mean that you have to stick with it if it doesn't make you happy. And you don't have to stick with uh, psychology just because you studied it. You know, um, and I highly recommend to actually go and and continue looking and trying out different things until you find a place where you really feel at home. Also, because you can't really. In my experience, you don't really know how it feels to be in a situation unless you try it. Um, so you actually have to go there and take that job and see if it suits you or not. And otherwise you won't know. So that's the first thing. Stick with it until you find something you're, you're passionate about. And the uh, second thing is, um, especially for people like me who come into a career where they don't have that, you know, computer science degree from Stanford or <laughs> um, so where you're a little bit the underdog when you start out at least um, not to be fooled by by um, appearances so I had this very high regard for experts and and people who are you know have been in that job for a very long time and I'm, I was so sure that they must know everything you know and I'm sure that they, you know, wake up with this certainty and they, they come into the office and I ask them a question if they've had that question a thousand times, they know exactly how things are going to develop and they will just tell me, do this and it will all be good. 
it's not true. It's not true, you know. And I think a lot of people have that um, that image of of experts, especially engineers and te technical people, as those super um, sages that know everything and and you can never touch their knowledge. It's not true. They're just muddling around the same as you are. And it's extremely important to to see that, to recognize that, and and also to appreciate that that's okay, you know, because they're the same as you, which means that they make mistakes. But it means it's also okay if you make mistakes because it enables you to learn. And I found that um, when I started, you know, befriending my colleagues and, and actually interacting socially with, with developers and system administrators and that really scary guy, you know, with a crazy haircut who always only wears black and then we go for a beer and he's a really nice guy, you know, and he doesn't know what he's doing half the time either. <laughs> so I think it's, it's really important to realize that just because people seem less insecure, that they're not necessarily less insecure. And also that uh, moving beyond um, the expectation of yourself that you already have to know everything before even starting, that's really, really important because again, unless you try, you won't know what it is like and you won't be able to learn it. Yeah. These are both really good points. And I feel like they're both related to the fact that things might look different from the outside. Just as a job might appear different before you actually do it, a person might appear completely different before you get to know them. I want to thank you for joining my blog, Margot. This was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Thank you. It was really nice to be able to tell my story. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.